Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, you know him well. He is the creator and host of the Raw Sex Podcast. Each and every Friday, make sure you are checking us out and checking him out on social media as well. I'm talking about none other than Cousin Damo, a.k.a. Dominique Marks. Check out Raw Sex Podcast, of course, on Instagram and also Raw Sex Podcast 1 on Twitter. My man has all the great hot takes on there. It's very entertaining feed. And you get all the stuff on there leading up there about on raw sex. I mean, we have great topics on there. You know, we had a topic about threesomes. We also talked about GOAT with Uncle Doley as well. The GOAT debate between Jordan and LeBron. So make sure y'all go and checking that out, man. My boy, Cousin Damo, of course, on the Raw Sex Podcast every Friday. Go check it out, of course, and subscribe. As we always say, support is free. Yes, it's 100% free, so make sure y'all like, share, subscribe. Go ahead and show that support out there and follow Raw Sex Podcast. As a reminder, you can always go to vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. You can go there, check out all of our past episodes. Also, check out our guest page on there as well to see some of the guests we've had in the past. Our merchandise shop still up there, guys. Like we said, shirts, t-shirts, tumblers, keychains, coffee mugs all up there iphone cases make sure you go to our store and check out all of the merchandise that we have there and cop some to support your boy and if you do make sure you hit us up on social media and tag us when you get it so that you can get some flicks and we make sure that we show y'all some love as we always say here on the vault our motto is hashtag open the vault hashtag mbtc or nothing but the classics so today we're gonna go back 25 years ago, Damo. We're gonna go back to a very critical date. That's June 9th, 1998. And the second studio album of none other than Brandy, Never Say Never, released on Atlantic Records, recorded between October 1997 and April 1998 at a number of different studios, just a few to name Pacific, Record One, Sony in Los Angeles, Chartmaker in Malibu, the Enterprise in Burbank, The Hit Factory in New York City, Barking Doctor in Mount Kisco, and DARP in Atlanta. With a runtime of 66 minutes and 36 seconds, the producers on this, Brandy herself, this also introduced a collaboration between herself and Rodney Darkchild Jerkins, his brother, Fred Jerkins III, Dallas Austin, David Foster as well, Harvey Mason Jr., LaShawn Daniels, Mark Nelson, Guy Roche, and many others as well on this project. Singles from the album, the first and the biggest single probably from the album and one of the biggest singles of that year and of the 90s, the duet with Monica, the infamous now, The Boy Is Mine, released in May 5th, 1998. The second single featuring Bad Boy's Mace, Top of the World, released July 7th, 1998. The Ballad, Have You Ever, released October 6th, 1998. One of my favorites, Almost Doesn't Count, released in March of 1999. The fifth, You Don't Know Me Like You Used To, released September of 1999. And Everything That I Do, I Do It For You, the remake of the famous Smash Ballad by Brian Adams in 1991 was released on November of 1999. 
So never say never, Damo. Mm. Second album by Brandy. And just to go and give an update of where we were during this time or a view of where we were during this time, this was Brandy's follow-up from her self-titled debut, Brandy, which came out in late in 1994, where she burst onto the scene. Big singles with I Want to Be Down and a Baby and also Best Friend. But it really kind of put her right into the marketplace and established her as an up-and-coming star. Then you take that, and a couple of years after that, Brandy starts in her own sitcom, Moesha, which starts in 1996. In between this time, she's also acting in other movies. She's in the Cinderella movie. She was in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. So she's also sort of dabbling in acting as well. But in the meanwhile, she has to follow up with her sophomore album. So she starts working on this in late 1997. The biggest challenge that she had was outdoing a massive debut. And for those of y'all who were out listening and around during that time, if you knew like how big that first album was, it was huge. I mean, Mm -hmm. those singles were huge. Uh, The singles are still classics to this day. When you have someone who has a big debut like that, sometimes the biggest challenge is making sure that you don't become a one hit wonder and you don't soft suffer that sophomore slump. Big part of this was linking her up with Rodney Jerkins and also his team, including his brother, Fred. Other producers and writers such as Harvey Mason Jr. and LaShawn Daniels. This was a strategic move on the side of Atlantic to sort of get her a chance to sort of change her style up a little bit and also change up her sound. But then it was also involving other writers such as Mark Nelson, famously of As Yet and formerly also of the original Boys to Men group. David Foster, Canadian producer and writer, and as well as writer extraordinaire Diane Warren, who did songs such as Because You Love Me by Celine Dion and Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. It really was a big risk trying to change her sound from one album to the next, because that sound on her first album is what a lot of fans thought made her successful, but it was a gamble that would pay off in so many different ways for her. So we're going to go ahead right now and get into it. First thoughts and reflections. So I'm going to go ahead and get started with you, Damo. So Never Say Never. This is coming out, I want to say probably, shoot, it's probably right around the end of your first year in Bowie and right around the end of my sophomore year. And so we're heading into that summer and this album is getting ready to drop right before we're about to head to get out of school for the summertime. So give us your reflections on this album, what you thought about it when it first came out, and then listening to it back then, and also in the time since it's passed, what are your reactions and also reflections of the album now that it's 25? 25 years. Man. Mm-hmm. Whew, the time is flying. It is, isn't it? <laughs> you told me we doing this album. I'm like, what is, I went and looked. I said, when did this come out? I was like, 98. Mm-hmm. I said, damn. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely the end of our school year. And all my cousins, they all was the R&B folks. So that's all I would listen to with them when they, they get in the car for the most part. Probably 90% of the time, they would put on R&B because they all could sing. Yeah. So God didn't bless me with that talent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I get drunk. I think I can. Yeah. <laughs> Catch me at a karaoke night. Hey. Yeah. Oh, but you know, but, pe- people like us, God knew not to give us talent yeah. to say. Oh, yeah. oh nah. You can't, can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. Uh, he knew better. He knew better. He knew better. He knew better. Yeah, he knew better. To be honest with you, when I listened to the album, I remember the hits, the singles off the album. Mm-hmm. But all the other songs, I was I might not have listened to this album since 98, 99 for real. Mm-hmm. Like I went to listen Full Moon, the next album. That's my that's my shit. So mm-hmm. I go, li- I listen to that joke. I say I can listen to that joke like 
like once a year, every couple of years. I'm, oh, I haven't listened to Full Moon in a minute. Let me go throw that joint on. Mm-hmm. But this one, I for, really forgot all about. I I had to listen to it when you told me about. It. I said, let me let me go put it on. I said, oh shit, I might have slapped on this album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. I said, yeah, this show got some Jones on. It's some heat on here. I oh, said, yeah. yo. Yeah. Besides the singles, and as we all know, you know, Brandy top tier vocalist. Oh yeah. Like it, it's probably it ain't that really. It's pro- maybe three other people that got the vocals that she have. That's about it for real. Mm-hmm. The range <laughs> uh, too. Yeah. Other mm-hmm. than that, yeah. you already know what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely a, a. It didn't even feel like sixty minutes for real when I was listening to. It. I was like, oh yeah, this is it right here. Uh-huh. I don't remember none of it back then, but listening to it this week, I was like, oh yeah, I should have had this show in the rotation. Yeah. True. Yeah, man. There was a lot going on in that year. Um, ninety eight was a year when a lot of great R&B albums dropped and a lot of great debuts dropped during 98. People have to remember during 98, this is the folks who dropped during that year. You had Jagged Edge, Destiny's Child, all dropping their debut albums. Escape, Traces of My Lipstick, dropping during this time. You also had, during this time, dropping later on this that year, Whitney Houston, Your Love Is My Love. Drew Hills, Enter the Drew, and then Room 112's Room 112 dropped that year too. So you want to talk about a lot of smash R&B albums during that year that dropped. It's crazy. This drops and it's dropping during the summertime. Oh, not even to mention as well that Brandy drops this album along with Monica's The Boy Is Mine. So this drops all during that summer. I live with sisters, as you know, and my mm-hmm. sisters were big Brandy fans, right? I mean, they were huge fans of the debut. But when this joint dropped, it was on constant rotation all the time, either when we were in the house or in the car. I grew an appreciation for this album by sitting and listening to this. I hate to even have to say it in the quiet moments, really. It was in the quiet moments, really being able to study and listen to this album, even like when I was 16 years old, away from all the noise and everything else that I really started to gain perspective from this. And the teaming of her and Dark Child was just such a perfect pairing. You want to talk about as far as like producers that are made for singers, I like to always say that Tim was sort of made for Aaliyah's sound beyond just her debut, right? Mm-hmm. How Tim's production took Aaliyah's work to the next level. I think that Rodney did the same exact thing for Brandy with this album mm-hmm. and his production. And it Definitely. wasn't just and it, was, and it wasn't just him. It was his team. It was his brother Fred. It was Harvey Mason Jr. It was writers like LaShawn Daniels. They all helped to craft this album and gave it a bigger, better sound. Sound-wise, I thought it was perfect because it showed her maturity. She wasn't just like the 15-year-old little girl, 16-year-old little girl anymore. Mm-hmm. She had become an actress. She was also becoming at this point sort of like a businesswoman in, in some sort of respect. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, it also showed her vulnerability. She had been through a couple of different relationships during this time. You know, of course, you know that there was she had I guess had some things with Kobe at some point in time. No, they went to prom together. There was supposedly the relationship between her and Wanye from boys to men. A lot of different things happened in between that, but it showed her vulnerability. Lyrically, it was candid and it was crafted with her life in mind. And I think that when you talk about music, specifically when you talk about R&B music, when you craft the music with the life of the person in mind, you get some of the best work. Look at that with My Life with Mary J. Blige and so many different other albums we could talk about that are in that mold. It was also crafted with her audience in mind. Think about who Brandy's audience was when her debut came out in 1994. We were all getting older too, right? We were starting to mature too. So considering that everything she went through 
Rodney thought that it was important that she had some input on this album, that she started to help write this album. And that was something that would help her serve her later in her career. It's also an album when listening to it back then and even now, it really shows her growth musically. Like that first album really was something kind of trying to build on that whole hip hop soul vibe that Mary sort of started. Uh, really came mm-hmm. out like right around 91, 92. You could feel that the production on that album is ridiculous. You take that and then it starts to transition more into a more, I would have dare have to say a pop sound, but it almost was like a sound that it was pop, but it didn't sell out. Like it wasn't like it was crossover, but it wasn't like, oh, now, now you just trying to do the music for the white folks. Like, no, it was just like a blend, like almost as expertly as Rodney could to make something sound pop, but not make it sound bubblegum. So that was really important. Helped to maintain her image because not only did that help her, with her own audience, i.e. the urban and black audience, but it also helped to take some white people that may have not paid attention to Brandy that much and be like, oh, damn, this is this is damn good music. I'm thinking about songs you listen to, songs like Almost Doesn't Count and songs like Truthfully and also like Learn the Hard Way where people are like, oh, okay, this is Brandy. Everybody, when they talk about this album, makes a lot out of the first single, The Boy Is Mine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's the big thing. I mean, that was yep. a, that duo, like, where did you go that summer that you could not hear that song anywhere? The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine. The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine. <laughs> <laughs> that intro that we all heard on the radio. <laughs> like, you you mm-hmm. hear that song on the radio, that video that came out that summertime, it was all over the place. The fact that it was number one on the Billboard charts for 13 weeks was crazy, right? But if you look at the whole project, like you mentioned yourself, it's a well-balanced and a full project. It doesn't lack in style and substance. This album for me, without a doubt for me, I like Full Moon. And I think that Full Moon is up there with me too. But if I had to place one, what which one was better for me, I think this is better to me. At least I think I favor this one you more. Might, you might be right. Yeah. You might be right. Full Moon got a couple of tracks that you can like take up off of there. Mm-hmm. I'm not really certain yeah. there's too many tracks that you could take off of this album. I'm, maybe one, maybe one. This may be like one throwaway that I would probably would take off of here. But then Brandy voice make it that you can't throw yeah, it away. Can't throw it away. She's still delivering. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing, right? Is that what everyone, what this did, a lot of people say that Full Moon helped to establish her as the vocal Bible. But I think if that one did, this one definitely served up the premise in your mind that that was even possible because of what she did vocally on this album. And a lot of people always say that she doesn't have the range for an alto, man, but people don't understand. Like, yo, when you can sing, like, even if you're into your alto, contra alto, whatever it is, like, you had, you can still display range. Yeah, all you gotta do is go listen to her B7 album. Like, I think that came out, what, 2020? Yeah. She's mm-hmm. giving you every... Vo- Hey, she's giving vocal lessons on that album. She, she's hitting yeah. so many different mm-hmm. different ranges in there. I yeah. was like, oh, yeah, Brandy still got it. She said about this album when she was interviewed about this um, in 99, she said, I'm not the little girl I was when I made my first record. My voice is a strong instrument now. My vocals come from both my heart and my diaphragm. My heart, because I matured in the four years since my last album, I'm more emotionally there. So that just goes Mm. to just speak to what we were talking about since then. But to me, Mm -hmm. one of my favorites during that year in a big R&B year, but also in those 25 years since then, when I talk about the impact that it had, you talk about some of the people that were influenced from this album. Like, it's crazy when you start going down the list of people who talk about this album and how it influenced them. Now we're going to go into our favorite part. 
highlights and lowlights. So I'll go ahead and start with you, Damo. Your highlights and any lowlights if you have them. You know, all the singles are the, the highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got Mace and his bag on the Harlem World style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. So, yeah, yeah, that's that beginning Mace back then. He, he was definitely one of them rappers. You get him on the R&B, Joan, you know it was going to be a smash. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. it was a perfect pairing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. perfect. You put him on one R&B, Joan, that Joan, that's a hit. A hit, yeah. And then, you know, you have uh, Never Say Never. Then that actually, I name other album that's on that joint right there. Mm-hmm. Hey, I need somebody to love me like that right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> right? right? I need somebody to love me like that right there. Yeah, and then you know, you know, the one voice that she really she's really going in on it. And I'm just listening, dang, I said, this kind of the joint I kind of don't like mm-hmm. that I would have as my low light. Mm-hmm. I said, but she is tearing this zone up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that would be my low light of the album. But the, like I said mm-hmm. a couple of minutes ago, her voice just make you be like, I really can't hate it because she killing this young still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. True. Yeah. Maybe everything I do, mm, that might be a throwaway too. Yeah. That's a remake still, though. Yeah. 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 It's a re, and it, but it's still, it's still, it's still her voice though. It's yeah, still it's her, her voice. voice. They still carry the show. Like, I don't really like this show. Maybe y'all did a favor for somebody, but mm-hmm. she still killed this show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Not mentioned as well in the singles, Angel in Disguise, because that definitely mm-hmm. was a single as well. To me, man, the singles are all, all highlights here. We talk oh, about the boy, like the, the the boy's mind is just one thing, man. But on top of the world with Mace, like I said, Mace was one of those rappers. You pay and put him on an R&B track. He's like one of those, like in that time period between like maybe 95 to like 2000 of rappers you put on an R&B track and it was going to be a hit. You know what I'm saying? It was going to mm-hmm. be a hit. Mm-hmm. But we talked about Angel in Disguise. Little known facts, a lot of people don't know that jo- Joe actually does background vocals on that. Uncredited. On Angel in Disguise. Yes, that Joe, the Joe, mm. R&B Joe. You know, I want to know Joe did background vocals on Angels in Disguise. And to me, Have You Ever, which is a song written by Diane Warren. And when I heard it and then someone said that Diane actually wrote this track, I said, you know what? This makes so much sense to me because this is a Diane Warren. You think about the same vein of the other tracks that Diane Warren has written then yeah, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm breaking my heart. Yeah, until you love me, yeah, because you love me, that makes sense. And she also flexes vocally on there. And she's also talking about a very mature subject matter on that song, you know? Someone who's 18 years old, you know, talking about some, that's the song. what would you that's do? The song I meant. Oh, yeah, have meant. you ever? That's the one. Yeah, that's the one Oh, yeah, I that's meant. the joint, dog. That's like, the it's joint, yeah. That's the one I meant. I was like, yeah, I need you, that, I need you to love me like that. yeah. That's what I need you to love me like that, right? <laughs> Damn. True. Man. Yeah, man. Shit, it's, at 40, that joint bottled up some emotions and me listening to that joint. I was like, hold on. Mm-hmm. I, the pollen count high? Yeah. Got me feeling the way. <laughs> man, man, yeah. It, it's it's crazy. One of my favorite tracks on here, and it might be my favorite track on this album, is almost doesn't count. Mm. messaging and almost doesn't count is just it's just crazy right just the lyrics on there that song is a song that is produced by fred jerkins you know it's produced by fred jerkins it's written by guy roche and shelly pelkin and it is a song that whenever i think about it i think that's some of her like best mature and crossover work there because that's a song that resonates for a lot of people in a big audience not just our group and our audiences 
but to audiences of different races because of the sound of the track. And when you start thinking about those lyrics and almost doesn't count, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like, I mean, just the bridge alone. I can't keep on loving you one foot outside the door. I hear a funny hesitation of a heart that's never really sure. Can't keep on trying if you're looking for more than all that I could give you than what you came here for. Like, what? <laughs> How many people can relate to those lyrics, mm. bro? <laughs> God damn, God damn. <laughs> and then the the thing about it that I love is like she gets like an, another lyric on here as well. She says, you can't get to heaven half off of ground. Everybody knows that almost doesn't count. And that's that's just, oh man, I, I love this song. I love it and yes. I've loved it since then. Mm-hmm. And go ahead, and, you were going to say it, something. It actually became, it's kind of like a saying too. Yeah. Because like, people say like, oh, you know, I almost did, well, almost doesn't count. Yeah. But that song comes to your head, like whenever yeah. somebody say like almost, it's like, yeah, almost doesn't count. Yeah, <laughs> it has, it has, it is, yeah. And, and so the one thing I will have to say about this, man, Brandy's bridges and her hooks to her songs mm. are so critical. And this album shows that. Like when you hear the bridges on some of these songs, man, these, these bridges are so epic. And I got to give props to the writing team from Brandy, everybody that Rodney had on their team, all the other writers on here did a masterful job of putting some of these bridges together and then making them go and melt like almost seamlessly right into the hooks. The hooks are off the hook on this album. Big props to them for putting this together. But when you talk about some of the other, like the album tracks on here that are highlights, and you mentioned some of them, man, the album tracks on here, like, Learn the hard way and that being so smooth. You don't know me and happy signature dark child sound production on there. Like it got a little bit of that bounce to it. You can feel it like, you know what I'm saying? Those hi hats and definitely that the, those drums in there definitely come rolling through and you get a ballad like truthfully, mm-hmm. which is produced by Harvey Mason Jr. And was co-written by Mark Nelson. Mark Nelson, who used to be one of the original boys to men. And also wasn't as yet. Also did background vocals in this as well. A lot of people didn't also catch that. Another one of those uncredited background vocals that you can't really hear. In the background, you hear Mark Nelson singing though, right? And to me, one of the things that I love about this is that you have some singers on here that can provide those background vocals, not just aside from Brandy's, that can give it that depth. But then other songs like Put That On Everything and then also One Voice, which gives you that gospel feel to it. Like sort of like... And matter of fact, One Voice was actually the UNICEF's 50th anniversary theme song. So you want to talk about the depth, everything from gospel to pop to R&B to ballads. It gives you everything. Like literally the trick bag is full in this album. It is 100% full. So looking at these singles, man, honestly, Damo, you can look at these singles. These singles bring you from summer of 1998 pretty much all the way up until spring of 2000. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this album definitely had some heat on it. It did, man. It had some heat. And then not only that, but it had some staying power. And you yeah. want to talk about some of the things that inspire people. Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears both said that this album helped serve as the inspirations for their own debut albums that will follow a year after this joint came out. You want to talk about influence. Yeah, you start touching... Artist then who became the biggest pop artist at the end of the decade into the first part of the 21st century. Yeah, that's massive influence right there. So, mm-hmm. and what it did also was 
it made us see Brandy in a little bit of a different light. Like she wasn't just going to be a teeny bopper singer. She was going to be a full fledged woman that was going to have a voice that was powerful and then also lyrics that meant something. Final verdict. So Dama, what say you about Never Say Never? Is this a classic? Is it an essential album? Is it dope? Is it just good or okay? If you would have asked me before today, before you told me, I was like, it was probably it was a dope album. Mm-hmm. I mean, just remembering the singles that I've offered, they just looking at the album like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a dope album. But after listening to it, I listened to it about three times since you told me. I hit you up this week, made sure it was the right album. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I, must, I listened to it. I said, all right, okay. I listened to it the first time I said classic. I said, let me listen to it again. And I'm going to have to stay with the first verdict I had when I listened to it the first time. It's a classic. It ain't really no, yeah. I can put it in and just and ride. Yeah, yeah. No skips. Yeah. That's a classic to me. No no skips. It's a classic. One of the best albums of the 90s R&B wise by solo artists. And shoot, when you start putting it up there with artists, solo and groups, it's still one of the best ones out there. It to me is an album that helped to establish Brandy as a certified star and that she was here to stay. Vocally, it helped to establish her as someone that had some staying power and lyrically it helped to establish her as somebody that would become a formidable writer her in her own right. And what it did for Dark Child, it helped Rodney Jerkins come from an up and coming producer that was just, that was on the rise to being somebody that was a superstar R&B producer and music producer over the next decade. And you talk about some of the people who Dark Child worked with after this Brandy album. I mean, you could run him down. He worked with Tony. He worked with Michael Jackson. He worked with Destiny's Child. Like these are all the people who Rodney started working with afterwards. And he became a household name when you were talking about music was concerned. You I don't know? even think they knew his name no more. I didn't just knew they knew his dark, dark child. child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when that happens, it's a rap. Right. It's like um the boy now, all you know is Hitmaker. 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 You're like, yeah. oh yeah, that, oh, this about to be this about to be it's about to be one of the ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's about to be one of the ones. Yeah, yeah. And, and and for for Rodney, it started a beautiful partnership between he and Brandy because he the next couple of albums that Brandy put out including Full Moon, they did together, he produced. Mm -hmm. And then also the fourth album she ended up putting out, um, it was an album that they produced together as well. So you want to talk about Never Say Never? Yeah, it's one of those albums you have to have the conversation with when you're talking about R&B albums in the 90s. And when you talk about Brandy, it's definitely the album that I think that made her not only from being a star, but it made her a superstar. So I like to talk about that this was sort of like her album to what Secrets was for Tony Braxton. Tony was a star before Secrets, but then Secrets made her a superstar. It made her a pop icon. Brandy's Never Say Never. Make sure y'all go check it out. 25 years old this past week. Make sure y'all go check out the album. Also hit us up on social media. Let us know what your favorite tracks are, your favorite videos as well. What did y'all think about Dark Child's production? Hit us up on social media. Let's talk. We'd love to continue the conversation. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media. 
at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.